words of consideration for our sermon this evening, taken from John's Gospel, chapter 13, where we see Jesus' hands humility. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher, Lord. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Is the Lord of our God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It was supposed to be a celebration. The two of them made a restaurant or made a reservation at a fancy restaurant. You know, the one with the, the linen tablecloths, the fine china, and even the, the champagne flutes. As they perused the menu, they waited for their attendant. Ten minutes went by, and then twenty. And still no one had come, even with a glass of water, or to take their order. Since it was their anniversary, they didn't want to make a big scene, and so they decided to wait a little bit longer while reminiscing the love that they had shared. But when 30 minutes came, husband got up as if to go to the bathroom and, and tried to find someone to talk to and give him a piece of his mind. When he found someone who seemed to have some sway in the restaurant, he starts explaining how they hadn't even been served yet after 30 minutes, only to be cut off by this attendant, said, Sir, you're going to have to wait. I have another table to attend. I will get to you in a moment. That was it. The husband stormed back to the table, grabbed his wife's arm, and they left the restaurant. You ever had a similar 
Maybe you're, you're going shopping at Jewel or at Target and it's one of those things that when you're not looking for something, that's when you can see all of the, the workers there. But when you are looking for something and are looking to ask a question, you can't find anyone. Or maybe you had a bad experience in the hospital where staff didn't seem to take care of you all that well. Or who hasn't made an appointment with uh, the cable repair guy. You know those four hour windows that they say they're going to come in? You wait for those four hours and they still don't come. I think if we took a little bit of time, we could each think of a time when we have not received the best service. And while there are websites and online reviews out there, hopefully I'll tell you what service is good and what isn't. Oftentimes when you scroll down into the comments, you find any number of people that just want to vent out their poor experience. God created people to be able to interact with one another. To be able to get along with one another, to offer their services to one another, whether it's a paid service or whether it's pro bono. And it's because each of us have a certain expertise, but we may not have an expertise in another field. When we actually might need to, to have someone else to help us, whether it be in the field of healthcare or taxes, whether it be in auto repair or home repair, most of us can't do all of those things. And so we need each other. And how often when we actually get that good service, Aren't we so willing to give them a generous tip or enthusiastic referral? <clears throat> How much more so should we be able to refer our friends, neighbors, family members, church? Refer them to Jesus, especially as we learn the kind of service that God provides to us. Tonight's lesson, Jesus not only provides incomparable service to his disciples, he does it for free, with no demands of payment, no pulling of rank, no excuse-making, being condescending or patronizing to them. Jesus serves his disciples and us with hands of humility. Hands that demonstrated an attitude of me last and you first. We look back to our gospel reading. We know that Jesus must have had a lot on his mind. We hear in the very first verse, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He knew. He knew ahead of time that 24 hours from that moment, he would lay down his life for the sins of the world. He knew that Jesus, or that Judas, had already planned to betray him. He knew that the Father had laid all things at his feet. And he entered the evening with complete omnipotence and complete omniscience of everything that was going to happen. 
And it might seem that, that this might be the time when Jesus can finally let loose. Be able to leverage that full authority he had as the Son of God. Display of the divine. And even here, even among the twelve disciples, Jesus demonstrated hands of humility. Serving himself last and serving his disciples first. And yet while Jesus' mind graced with the anticipation of suffering for the world's sin and being condemned in hell, what were his disciples doing? His disciples were having a petty argument about which of them was the greatest. Can you imagine anyone being more oblivious or more insensitive to the needs of Jesus at this time. And even as they got up into the upper room, the argument continued. There wasn't a servant there to, to wash their stinky feet. And so they looked to one another. Who was going to be the one to pick up the basin and do the task? Who of them at least might do it for their Lord and Master Jesus. Yet none of them lifted a finger. Not one of them reached for the bucket. Who would blame Jesus if his frustration boiled over? He walked away. Forget it! These people don't deserve me. I've done enough for them. They are on their own. And what's even worse, he had settled this argument before. When one of his disciples' moms, the mom of James and John, came to Jesus and said, Hey, can you sit my son at your left and at your right when you go into your kingdom? And Jesus said, at that time, Whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. But on this Thursday evening, Jesus said, me last. Jesus didn't opt for another lecture, but rather he demonstrated what he meant when he talked about being great. He demonstrated with hands of humility. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus would have blown a gasket if he couldn't have blamed him. He would have understood. Yet Christ's love never wavered. Without even a hint of exhaustion or exasperation, Jesus handled their pride with perfect patience. He overcame their arrogance with humble service. The king of creation, the one who created all things, stooped down so low to do a task that even the servants jockeyed to avoid. Christ came from heaven on a mission from his father to redeem the world, and he was not about to give in at the eleventh hour. That's why John says, having loved 
his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And humility demonstrated me last, you first. Compare this to our acts of Christian service. How often do we base our behavior on the behavior of our neighbor? We shun people who disagree with us. Doctors may be slow to follow up with patients who they feel are belligerent or complaining all the time. Inside our own families, we tiptoe around the hothead. We walk on eggshells around the opinionated mother-in-law. Worse yet, we justify our sinful behavior, our poor Christian service, by suggesting that they had it coming to them because they were the ones who were being obnoxious. The irony, of course, is that while we justify our behavior and blame our neighbor, we are the ones who are being obnoxious. But we are being obnoxious to God. If Jesus faced his actions on his disciples' behaviors, none of them would have had their feet washed that evening. In fact, none of us would have our sins forgiven because Jesus wouldn't have even made it to the cross. And that's why Jesus' hands of humility shine forth so brightly. Because it is not based on our human behavior. Jesus' humility is based on God's love and his grace. Me last, you first. He serves us because he loves us. He loves us with an unconditional and perfect love. Not our behavior, but God's love moved him to wrap the towel around his waist and wash their feet. Thing. He even washed the feet of Judas. Now we don't really get the idea that Jesus would be the kind of guy who would storm out of a restaurant because of bad service. He didn't walk out on his disciples and he didn't walk out on you either. He came to serve. Matthew says, the Son of God did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that life, that death, has served you well. It is paid the ransom price for our pride and our entitled attitude, for our obnoxious rank pulling, for making people feel smaller than we are, and for every shallow and insecure excuse we've ever offered to God for our failure to serve. Blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The disciples had a history of missing the point. After Jesus washed their feet, it would be very natural for them to feel a little bit of shame. Their disgraceful bickering and pompous preening had been laid low by Jesus' humble hands. Yet Jesus did not just want them to feel shame. He wanted to change their attitudes, to rewire them by demonstrating those hands of humility. So he says, 
now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus, as their Lord and teacher, by virtue of his office, was their superior. But he didn't wag his title in their faces. He didn't shove his superiority down their throats or use it to avoid humble service to anyone. He said, me last. You first. So it is our attitude. When our attitude has been rewired by Christ. When we wash one another's feet, it means to show Jesus' love to other people. It's the kind of love that forgets, that feels superior. A love that stoops to the lowliest of service and is blind to what it is doing or who it is doing it for. A love that serves so freely that it pays no attention to the cost. A love that is so humble that it voluntarily serves regardless of the human behavior. A love so pure that it does not seek the recognition of humans, rather the approval of God. The love that says, me last, you first. Jesus came to serve. And the service that he provides to us is incomparable, and it's free. Jesus' humble death purifies us of our poor service. Jesus' perfect, humble hands satisfy God's holiness and provide us motivation to serve our brothers and sisters. We should heed Christ's call to wash each other's feet. Love and serve your neighbor like Jesus did in humility. This humility that permeated all of Jesus' life. So let Jesus' humility, the servant attitude, rework your attitude too. So that we might ask, how can I serve? And who can I serve? Amen. Now may he who began a good work in you carry it out to completion. The day of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.